Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers. And now, it's time for the Bleed Los Podcast with your hosts, Alonso and Juan, with the baby-faced gimmick in the sky, Roger. Welcome into the uh, the Carnazada, and uh, it's your boys, Alonso and Juan, with the baby-faced gimmick in the sky, Roger. And uh, you know what? We haven't had a chance to talk free agency for a minute, and we're going to. So you and I, Juan, were completely wrong that uh, Freddie Freeman was going to end up a Dodger, ended up a Dodger, and uh, Roger was right, still refusing to give out points. That's still my position, and I will I will stay there. But Freddie Freeman's a Dodger. Obviously, we know what he brings to the table, but, uh, dude, when you, look at, when you look at the lineup card, the projected lineup card, that is, that's a murderer's row of just offensive prowess. I mean, when your nine hitter is A.J. Pollock, that's preposterous. No, absolutely. But I, I, here's the, the one thing that I'm going to tell everybody to pump their brakes. As much as it, I was excited to see that Freddie Freeman was is on the Dodgers, you know what really soured me on the whole thing What's was that? the Lakers. How oh. bad the Lakers are. So whenever I hear everyone talk about like Jeff Passan saying this is going to be the greatest lineup he's ever seen in 20 years, all I could think of was, and I'm not saying that, you know, once Russell Westbrook came over here that that made the Lakers a favorite, but I was not expecting the Lakers to just be horrible. So that being said, as great as this lineup is, there is a possibility that things could go left really quickly. Everyone could have a bad year. Injuries could happen. But if everything is a, goes as planned, it'll be exciting. And maybe they are going to need this lineup because their pitching, I think, could be a little suspect uh, to get through the whole season. Way to be a downer, Juan, in the first yeah. two minutes of this show. I mean, we just started recording. Like we, I, I, I had to give a counterpoint of view. I mean, did you see Twitter? Everybody was already making reservations for the parade, acting like, you know, we just won the World Series. We had a great team last year. We had a team that won over 100 games. And guess what? We got eliminated. So, no. I mean, this doesn't guarantee anything. No, and I understand it's a marathon. But no disrespect to one Russell Westbrook. These guys are, in my opinion, way better than this current Lakers roster. The Lakers roster has its own issues. <laughs> Anthony Davis has been, no pun intended, glass. Since he, since he, it's more or less since he's been a, a Laker. LeBron has had his injury woes, but granted, he's also 37. So, how dare you, first of all, bring in the Lakers and just disrespect them like that at the same time? Look, all I'm saying is, is when I saw the projections, when I saw everybody losing their mind, all I could think of was. Hey, man, I, I've seen this story before where, hey, man, this team's going to be tough to beat, and then everything goes wrong. Well, I see from a Clippers fan. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, he's still not getting a point. Let's just get that. <laughs> Let's just reiterate that. I, You know what? I, I, I agree with you. Obviously, baseball is, is a marathon season. 
So you can't just, you know, declare a winner. I mean, if that were the case, then a couple of years ago, the White Sox would have been the, the formidable World Series champions. And then two years ago, it would have been, you know, the Padres from the NL. So, so 100%, you're right. But, but let's not forget who is on this roster here that we're, we're discussing. You know, you have the likes of Justin Turner. You have the likes of Freddie Freeman. You have the like of, likes of Mookie Betts, a healthy Cody Bellinger, a healthy A.J. Pollock, uh, Chris Taylor, so Will Smith, the Prince. So I feel like I, I'm okay taking that waiver of – I'm not saying the parade's going to happen. I'm not going that far. But when you see this this projected lineup card on paper, it's intimidating. I'd be nervous to throw against these guys. But on the flip side, to your point, the pitching is where it gets a little dicey. You know, you have Julio Diaz, you have Clayton Kershaw, you have Walker Buehler, you know, your usual suspects. After that, you know, there's a question mark, Trevor Bauer, question mark, question mark, Tony Gonsolin, question mark, Danny Duffy, question mark, Andrew Heaney. Lots of question marks. David Price is obviously on the roster, and, and you don't know where that's going to end up. Uh, Tommy, uh, I can never say his last name. Forgive me. No. Uh, Conley, Conley. Conley, thank you. Canley. Uh, Apologies to uh, to Tommy. We'll get it. We'll, we'll get it right by the middle of the season when he makes yeah. his APU. Yeah, whenever that is. But I mean, they also went out and and you know they brought back a Danny Duffy. You know they they have some younger guys on the roster as well. You know we obviously Garrett Clevenger is 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 someone that's going to be potentially coming back. I mean, there's a lot of potentials, but there's also the subtractions. Kenley Jansen's no longer in that bullpen. He's now in Atlanta Brave. So you know. Who's going to be the closer? I, I would assume the dude that kind of should naturally fit into that role is Blake Trinan. But I mean, I, I don't know. So, I mean, that's where my questions are going to lie is what's going to happen with pitching. Well, I mean, you, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, what's been coming out of Roberts's mouth, but they're talking about having their starters go three to four innings in the beginning of the season. And because everyone's already saying it was a short because of the shortened spring training. Right. And, and we, I brought this up and Justin Brule told us that all they needed was about a month to get ready. Well, it seems like the front office and management don't agree with that because they're going to take it easy with these starters. And there's rumors that because of the expanded rosters that they will have in April, they're going to be ca- carrying a lot more pitchers. So you're going to be seeing at the beginning of the year, you're going to see starters going three to four. You might be seeing these bullpen games again. You might be seeing openers just because the Dodgers are trying to figure out their pitching situation. And, and to me, it's like, okay, Julio Urias pitched mo- the, the most innings in his career last year. Right. How is he going to recover from that this year? Right. Walker Bueller actually had a very, I mean, he, you know, usually he would have that slow start of his and then about middle of the year, he would actually start really pitching really well. That wasn't the case last year. Last year he started strong and then he tapered off towards the end. So I'm curious to see how Bueller looks this full season. Kershaw again is a ticking time bomb. You don't know what you're going to get from Kershaw. And then after that point, you, you said it, Alonzo, we don't know when Trevor Bauer is going to pitch. You don't know what, I mean, Gonsolin may have 50 pitches just to get out of the first inning and give up zero runs. So I, I yeah, it's uh, to me, it's, it's a crapshoot. Maybe that's why they need that, that lineup that they do, but 
Alonzo, here, here's the one. Going back to the Freddie Freeman signing, one of the things that I could not factor, I didn't take into account, is that the Braves were going to do him dirty the way they did. If I would have known that the Braves had no intention of signing him, then I think I probably would have been a little more optimistic on the Dodgers' chances of signing Freddie Freeman. But for the Braves to do that to a franchise player, I explain the reasoning behind it because I did, and the numbers weren't that different from, I get it that Matt Olson is a younger player, but I don't put Matt Olson in the same category as Freddie Freeman. Do you? Matt Olson has upside. I'll, I'll give him that he's younger. You know, he's still, you know, kind of in the, in the beginning of his prime. I, for the life of me, I, I don't understand what and why uh, I feel like that is, it's unfathomable, especially when you hear Freddie talk about it. You yeah. know, Freddie said they had two phone calls. I texted a few people asking around what, you know, what do you think is going to happen? Some of them didn't know anything. No one knew anything. And a lot, a lot of them still said they was going to end up with the Dodgers. Obviously you and I were skeptical of that because of the way that stuff has gone down, but the way that that went down and the fact that the Braves did not give Freddie a heads up as to what was come, going on, is crazy to me and the other part of it uh, as far as i know alex anthopolis doesn't really operate that way so i don't know what soured there i don't know what went down i hope one day there's kind of a tell-all as to why that happened because let's let's be 100 honest freddie freeman is the franchise for the braves like when that i mean even after his he, he could win probably three world series with the Dodgers, not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying for, for comparing apples to oranges, he'll still probably go in with the Braves hat is the crazy thing because he is like, when you think of the Braves during this era, you think Freddie Freeman, just like when I was younger, it's Chipper Jones, you know, the generation before that, you know, the Dale Murphy's of the world who's been on this podcast, you know, the, the Hank Aaron's of the world, like the, you know, the, those are the guys that you think of. And when you think of the Braves, you think of Freddie Freeman. I don't know what soured there, but Freddie, from everything that he said, sounded like he was willing to come back, wanted to come back, just wanted to have conversations with them, and they did. They ghosted him more or less, and I'm shocked that that's what happened. And I, I listen, and they went out and and they made a move. They got a guy that they feel like is going to be able to. I don't want to say replace, but to be able to fill that hole that that free agent left. Be that as it may. Those are still big shoes to fill because it's Freddie F and Freeman. Absolutely. But, and so counter that to what happened with Kenley Jansen. So from whatever, from what we're hearing is that the Dodgers were having conversations with Jansen, but once the Freeman thing happened, then Jansen was out. If you believe everything that it was saying, what surprises me about Kenley Jansen is that he took a one-year deal from, from what we're hearing, whether it's legitimate or not, the Dodgers were offering two years. He took the one-year deal with the $16 million. I mean, is he is he gambling on himself and expecting to have a huge year and that he might get even a bigger payday? 100%, I think. I mean, if it's if it's a if it's a number thing with him, hey, good for you, man. You got to do what you got to do. Um, but if if that's ultimately what it was, I I mean, and obviously we don't know officially what the offer was from the Dodgers. I feel like that offer was in the eight to ten range for the year, or for the per year. Sorry, 
And so obviously if it was eight, that would amount to 16 that he's going to get in the one season. And then if it's 10, 20 over two seasons. So if, if, if that's him doing that, I think he's trying to bank on himself and again, more power to him because, you know, the, the obviously that, that closer market, there really wasn't one this year. And he was kind of really the only guy that was out there. And, and that, you know, obviously makes it a little difficult for you to kind of get a litmus test on what a closer is going for, but closers have passed have gotten giant deals and they haven't worked out either. So it can go either way. It's kind of a coin flip. So I'm, but, but I, I, you know what, if, if that's ultimately what it was that he wanted the number to be a certain number, Hey, good on him. I can't fault him for that. You can't ever fault a guy for trying to go get the bag, but I'm still, I'm still pleasant. I'm still surprised that he didn't re up with the Dodgers just after seeing the moves, if that makes sense, because you know, you obviously he wants to win, but he's already won. So is it one? It's one of those things where maybe he just wants to, you know, kind of test the waters and see what happens next for that next payday potentially, you know. But obviously, the only time will tell. But all we can say is, hey, happy trails, and hopefully he stays healthy. Hey, babyface, didn't he say? Didn't Jansen say that the Braves were the team that he rooted for as a kid, and that's who he wanted to play for? Yeah, that's who he he rooted for. I think they signed his brother, and he used to go down to Braves camp when he was like a young kid. Um, he used to look up to um, to Andrew Jones, so he's you know he grew up a Braves fan. So I think you know part of him wanted to go play there. But interestingly, he did he did say that his family is not moving with him; they're staying in LA. It's a one year deal. He said, "You never know what's going to happen." So, and Dodgers have said that too. So you never know. Hey, I mean, look at that Braves bullpen now, and then Okunia is coming back. They have Olsen there. So, I mean, the Braves, I don't think uh, you lose someone, a future Hall of Famer like a Freddie Freeman, and you would think, oh, how's that team going to recover? Hey, you got to tip your hat to that Braves front office. And again, Matt Olsen's no slouch either. Like, let's just get that out of the way. I mean, that dude can rake. He's a lefty just like Freddie. He's offensive or defensively a good guy, you know, good player as well. So it, it's not like they went out and just got some guy. Like they and they, I mean, they already re-upped him too. They gave him that seven-year deal, and again, the numbers, like you were saying, they weren't crazy. They weren't a huge difference of, as far as the money goes. Just the difference is the Dodgers were able to defer some of the money for Freddie. And here, the revisionist history is already going to come now because I have my tickets for that Dodger Brave series at Dodger Stadium. When Jansen comes out and pitches, I, I guarantee you he's going to get a very loud ovation. I, I think the Dodger fans are going to thank him and everything like that. But all we remember was we booed him last year, right? right? I mean, when Jansen signed, you saw the responses on Twitter. Some people were just like, thank you, but it's okay. You know, we, yeah. we have Freddie Freeman now. So it does kind of feel, I, I, I mean, I, I hope he does get a nice ovation because the guy not only holds the record for this being the saves leader for the Dodgers organization, he obliterated it. Oh, he has 350 saves. The previous record for the Dodgers was 161 by Greg Gagne, uh, Eric Gagne, Greg Gagne, Eric Gagne. So I, I mean, it's, I get it. There were some moments in the ninth inning, but I, I feel like, some people like they just love to hate Kenley, but when you actually sit there and look at the numbers, the dude was like super, super productive and efficient for the organization. 
I think I think people just have this this idea that a closer can't go out there and walk a guy, can't give up any runs. And you know, I I feel bad for them because the next closer that comes in, whether it's Trinan or Gratterall, as soon as they blow a game, they're gonna be like, This guy sucks, get him out of there. I mean, they don't they don't see that perception that Kenley was a really good closer. I mean, for the Dodgers, the best closer probably ever. So you know, well, and you also have to remember, we've also been spoiled in our time on this rock because we've seen the likes of Mariano Rivera. We've seen Derek Gagne's. You know, we've seen all these elite. Uh, 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 oh, what's his name? from Trevor Dodgers? Hoffman. Trevor Hoffman. Like all these guys that were closers, right? Traditional closers. But the game has also changed to the sense where you don't necessarily have a traditional closer. So that we've been spoiled. We've. Once again, we talk about the embarrassment of riches and getting spoiled. And here's the another perfect example. Because again, n- no knock to Gratterall or Trinan, they're great pitchers. But when you've, you know, Kentley's been with the organization, what now, 16 years or would have been, this would have been year 17, I believe. So it's it's yeah, man. It's 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 gonna be interesting to see the revisionist component. But again, when you look at the hard numbers, it's kind of like I was telling Justin Brule, go look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers. When you see that dude's numbers, you're just gonna be like, what? What did this guy do? And it's kind of the same thing with Kenley. At Babyface, are you trying to say that we have an irrational hatred for Kenley Jansen, somewhat similar to an irrational hatred of Tom Needenfear? Is, is that what you're saying? A little bit. I just don't want you to boo Kenley when he comes back. <laughs> but we'll, but no, we'll, one, no one is going to boo him. But he, uh, we're going to go through this again. I mean, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But. So are the fans just not supposed to do anything when things don't go their way? Are they just supposed to just sit on their hands and do anything? So you under no circumstances feel you should boo a, a, a performance. This is a better question. When you see Tom Newton, if you're in the street, are you not supposed to boo him? Boo this man. Boo yeah. this man. Yeah. You know because- what? I- I would turn into an eight-year-old me again and probably boo him just because he hurt me. Do you ever see that video? Back when, like, when Kershaw was melting down in the playoffs, and then there was a little kid who was crying, and he just kept saying, "I hate Kershaw. I hate." I felt that little kid. I I, I felt his pain. That's you. That was it because we don't know better. We don't know better. And now that we're adults and we realize how hard the game is, and how you know the other teams play too, and it's not just like automatic the results. You know that's. I, I just find it really interesting that I kind of feel like Kenley's gone now and very quietly has gone. Like, I, could you imagine like, and, it, and this is going to segue into the next topic I want to talk to you about, Alonzo. Can you imagine when Kershaw finally either does retire or signs with the Rangers, how people are going to lose their mind? And I know that people are going to sit there. Well, Kershaw is not Kenley Jansen. You can't, that's not a, a, a fair comparison. Dude, Kenley Jansen had 350 saves. He's the, saves. the top, the top save leader in the organization. He is when it comes to relievers, he's up there in terms of like being our Kershaw or being our Kofax. Right. I I know. I mean, listen, what he did is is I mean, like you said, he obliterated that saves record. Yeah. But Clayton Kershaw is is going to probably be considered the best left-handed pitcher since Sandy Koufax. Kenley Jansen, listen, great career, going to get Hall consideration, all that stuff. The standard, as far as 
everyone looks at for elite is Mariano Rivera. So no knock to Kenley's career, no knock to anything Kenley did because Kenley killed it. But Mariano Rivera is the standard. And, and if you don't really meet that standard, that's, that's why. Clayton Kershaw, on the other hand, obviously the best left-hander of his generation, but could also be the best left-hander since Koufax. That's a long time. That's a really long time. So, again, it's, is it an unfair and, and maybe even an unjustified comparison? Sure. Yeah, I could see that 100%. But they're, they're different in the sense of those are the two standards that have kind of been set. I, again, Kenley quietly went out and, and did it on his terms. Great. Kershaw, on the other hand, he talked about kind of the – the, the conversations that he had, you know, he talked about the conversations he had with Chris Young and, and kind of evaluated everything. But what stood out to him the most is that he wants to win. And right now the team that he feels that at least he was considering that uh, gives him the best opportunity to win is the Dodgers. One thing we know, you know, with him is it's never been about money. Not to say that it is with Kenley, but it's never been about money because he very easily could have commanded. I want $30 million for this season. $17 million is a super fair salary for a Clayton Kershaw, walking Hall of Famer, walking legend, all that stuff. So, again, I, I feel like the, the comparison might be a little un, unfair, but I also see your point because the day that, that Kershaw hangs it up, whenever that is, it's going to be a completely, completely different story as far as the sending off to what a Jansons is going to be. Absolutely. And, and babyface, were you surprised – at how close Kershaw was to leaving. I, I really thought it was either the Dodgers or retirement, but to see these reports that he was actually having conversations with the Rangers really makes me believe, or start makes me think about what you had said, where he's waiting to see how good the Rangers are. And if the Rangers get close, you might see Kershaw sign with the Rangers up next year, or maybe the year after all I'm saying is, we better start appreciating Clayton Kershaw because this might be the last time we see him in the Dodger uniform. Yeah. I think he's going to keep a close eye on what the Rangers do this year. You know, how, you know, how good they look, how far they get or how close they come to a playoff team. And he's probably going to evaluate that next at the end of the year and see like, you know, if I go there, you know, do I give them a couple, you know, 10 to 15 more wins? Does that push them over the edge, you know, making the playoffs? So it, it, I don't want to see him go end up anywhere else than, you know, than a Dodger. I think he should be, you know, retired Dodger, but it sounds like he does want to play at home a little bit. So he's going to, it's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. That surprised me, man. I, I, I got, I never thought those Rangers stories were, were true, but after what was leaked after he signed with the Dodgers, I was like, Oh damn, this, this might be it. They, I mean, we might not see Kershaw anymore at, at Dodger stadium. Well, and again, I think, you know, Kershaw kind of sur surmised it best. What he prioritizes is winning. And he didn't feel like the Rangers were there yet. He was super open and transparent with CY, uh, Chris Young over in Texas about that. And, but the thing is, is he's also earned that right to be able to, to kind of look around, right? Because he, again, he's a walking, living legend and he, he's earned that right. So for him to have, to also that I can appreciate for him to have been as transparent as he was about kind of what went off, you know, during the off season, obviously around the lockout. Um, it, it, it was interesting to hear kind of just his, his thought process as to what he was considering. 
And again, for him, it's he's prioritizing the winning. And for me, that's that's huge, you know, because again, it also lets you know how he feels about this iteration of the Dodgers right now. Is he feels that this team can win now? And obviously, on paper, they have a good chance, right? They're favorites in Vegas. They just got Freddie Freeman. Things are vibing. But obviously, you know, they, and they, I mean, they're still signing guys, you know, as we speak and designating guys, whatever. We'll get into that in a second. But it's still interesting to hear his perspective on what he was prioritizing in the offseason from him instead of everyone just kind of assuming. Yeah. I mean, all, all I'm saying is for our listeners out there, when you go to Dodger Stadium, just keep in mind. I, I mean, there was a picture that, uh, I don't know if Kenley posted it or if Kershaw posted it, uh, but or no, Kershaw had said that he had been with the organization and he started the organization with Kenley. They've been in the organization just as long. And it was Justin Turner, I think, who had posted the picture of a very young Kenley and him. Now, just think about it, fans, in a year or so, in a couple of years, I mean, we've already lost Jansen. Justin Turner might hang it up. And Creighton Kershaw might hang it up or leave. So that core of those Dodgers that started this run are, are going to be gone. And we're going to have a new breed of Dodgers who will hopefully, you know, uh, continue the success. So I think just now is the time where we need to show the appreciations to the Justin Turners, to the Clayton Kershaw's, to those guys that helped turn this organization from a, horrible period of time the mccord era into the successful era that it is now well and and speaking of the young blood you know you you have guys like like miguel vargas for another card i saw that today crushed a bomb uh in arizona but also got set down simultaneously um but there's you know they, i mean they made a whole litany of, of moves you know sending him down uh, michael bush andy pages ryan nota bobby wall uh, just a litany of guys, you know, just the first round of cuts uh, being sent down. And you know what? The future's bright because they have, they, we haven't even talked about Diego Cartaya. We haven't even talked uh, about Ryan Pepio. So, I mean, the, the future is bright as far as that end of it goes. Um, but a lot of it has to do with the guys like the Kershaws and the Kentleys of the world doing that. But interestingly enough, a guy that was kind of considered as, as you know, a fringe bench player, you know, a fringe of kind of this younger core, uh, Matt Beatty. Uh, was uh, DFA today in order to uh, make room to sign um, and put on the 40 man Hanser, uh, Hanser Alberto, uh, who is a, 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 a third baseman slash second baseman uh, that uh, he's a right-hander that he played in Baltimore last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he uh, another depth piece, if you will, that they've, uh, that they've added to that bench. But the, the thing I, that got me thinking about Matt Beatty was, uh, and, and we should find him, is the guy that got the Matt Beatty tattoo less than a week ago. Uh, I want to know what his thoughts are on Matt Beatty getting DFA'd because my man just got the autograph and then the DFA happened today. There you go, babyface. Get on it. Get yeah. on it. We'll have him on the show next time. But, I mean, here, here's the thing. I think that move clearly with the Dodgers are, are they prefer those guys that can play multiple positions, and it that looks like that's what Hanser is. For Beatty, I mean, do you feel comfortable, you know, other than first base, do you feel comfortable with him out in the outfield? I think the Dodgers will miss his bat. 
right. uh, off the bench. I do feel that, but they went ahead and they signed Kevin Pillar. Alonzo, you mentioned it off the air. They have 27 non-roster invitees. So what this actual roster is going to look at look like at, by opening day, I have no clue. Jake Lamb so far has looked good. If the Dodgers were able to fix that guy, I mean, that's a guy that is going to be able to spell the corners. Um, is he still playing third base or is he just a uh, first baseman now? Uh, I think it's just first base, but I could be wrong. So, I, he, I mean, didn't he play out? I think he played outfield today, too. So, I mean, I, I mean, how reliable defensively he's going to be, but that's a guy. I think one of the things in we we haven't even talked about now is with the DH now in the National League, what are these guys going to do? I mean, poor Don Mattingly, he's not going to be able to double switch anymore because that was his only managerial skill was the unnecessary double switch. But because of the DH now, is that going to limit the, the, the pinch hitting that the Dodgers usually, the, the way they love to play matchups all the time with, with their, with, in, during games. Well, and then the other thing, too, is obviously you said it a second ago, the DH changes everything. So if you really wanted to DH, uh, let's say you, I, I feel like they're going to DH Justin Turner like crazy this year. And, and the other advantage the Dodgers have is Edwin Rios is looking healthy. Yes. Another DH option. Um, you know, Hanser Alberto apart, you know, just looking kind of, and I don't have any insight. This is just looking over his stats. Dude has a 300 average, you know, that's obviously something that's appealing to him, to them can play multiple positions. Kevin Pilar for the most part is an outfielder. So that obviously creates a log jam uh, with, with, with that, just because of the amount of outfielders that they have. But when when he was in his prime, that dude was a defensive juggernaut, man. Like he he had like fi- something preposterous, like fifty defensive runs saved uh, over like the, I think it was like twenty fifteen to twenty seventeen. Point is, his glove was insane. Um, so and he's also familiar with the division. He played, they spent time in San Francisco, spent time in Colorado. So it's not like he doesn't know the division, doesn't know the league. He just played with the Mets. Which, so which his family just like cringed when he was playing in San Francisco. <laughs> cannot confirm, cannot deny that's uh that's from one source. <laughs> but I mean again, it's a crowded outfield though, right? Because you got Mookie Betts, you got Cody Bellinger, you got AJ Pollock, you have Chris Taylor, Gavin Lux, who they've they've talked about a utility role is kind of going to be the emphasis for him this year, which is you know, if Max Muncie's your everyday second baseman, then that means you're giving guys in the outfield the day off given a day off in the infield. And that's kind of the idea with, with the depth, right? But I mean, when you, if, if everyone stays healthy, and this is a big if, because obviously the last couple of years have been rocky, but if everyone can stay healthy, play 150 games, we'll say, and they only have to go to a Pilar or an Alberto or a Gavin Lux, you know, ever so often, I mean, you can't complain about that, right? Well, no, I mean, I've, I, I, Today, Gavin Lux was out in left field, right? I'm very curious to see if all the time he gets in spring training is out in the outfield. Because if, if we don't see him in the infield, I think uh, Lux in the infield experiment is, is over and he will be viewed as an outfielder. Well, and again, you know, from all the reporting out there is that they're preparing him for a utility role. What is that utility role going to look like? 
that's what I'm per, uh, primarily curious about because when you hear utility role, that means he's going to play all over the deck, kind of like a CT3, right? Not just in the outfield, not just in the infield, just kind of all over because obviously guys need days off. You know, JT's 37, older guy. We have Edwin Rios. You know, so again, it's it's going to be interesting how they go about it because then you have kind of the dichotomy of it where a Trey Turner who is not 37 years old is expected to be your everyday shortstop, right? And by the way, before we wrap this up, I I wanted to ask the both of you, do you think that they should extend Trey Turner and what should that extension look like? That's a very good question because in terms of who's down on the farm, I don't think they have a shortstop. Um, Michael Bush, I don't even know what he's projected at anymore. I mean, I think well, he was projected as a, as a second. What was it? Is it a third baseman now? It's a third or second. Well, you know what? We I thought third. it was second. I thought it was second. Okay. But you have Bush. Vargas is either first or third, right? Right. So I don't think there's anyone else there uh, down in the farm that you could say, is there, could we get another shortstop to maybe just hold us over until that guy is, is ready to go? If that's the case, if you don't have any good shortstops, I, I think what Trey Turner does this year is going to determine what the Dodgers do. Because again, and this is why I know I started the episode all doom and gloom. Right. Hey, when the Dodgers got Trey Turner last year, I thought, oh, he's going to rip it up. And what happened in the postseason? Everybody was just like, what's wrong with Trey Turner? And I get it. It's the postseason. You're facing much better pitching. You're, the chances of you struggling are much, much higher. But what if that postseason struggle that Trey Turner had rolls over into the season? What if Mookie Betts' hip starts acting up again? I mean, there's all these factors, and that's why I'm just saying, yeah, on paper, if these guys do what they're supposed to do, the Dodgers are going to be great, but how many times has that actually happened? No, and to your point, 100% right. By the way, uh, second base, first baseman. My apologies to Michael Bush. I thought it was third. I am clearly a dyslexic. But one player that we forget about that I know that the Dodgers have been high on, but he's just not like a top five prospect or whatever, is Jacob Amaya. Jacob Amaya can play shortstop. He's, you know, he's a little older. He's 23. Same range as Trey Turner. Obviously, Trey Turner is significantly better. Uh, Trey Turner is faster. That's kind of the other the other thing. And defensively, he's a lot better too. I, I, I'm curious. I also kind of want to know how Trey feels. And I never really think of the psyche of the player per se, because at the end of the day, it's still a business. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just know that a lot of these guys understand that it's a business and you have to do what's best for you, right? Trey Turner's going to get paid, whether it's with the Dodgers or somewhere else, he's going to get paid. And, and I know he knows that too, but I've, I'm kind of curious to, to hear how he feels about you hear about all these other guys with the team, Cody Walker, who knew Kershaw, but you never hear Trey's name come up right. as being, yeah. you know, wanted and, and, and held on to and all that stuff. I think Trey Turner is worthy and is going to get a $300 million deal. Carlos Correa wants that, but Trey Turner is better than Carlos Correa. Let, let's just get that out of the damn way. So, so are the Dodgers willing to pony up that sort of money? And I say yes, because after this year, who's left on deals? Mookie? Uh, Bellinger. Bellinger. And, well, there's like three guaranteed deals after this year. 
So and that's, and that's the crazy thing. Yeah. They already, I mean, all I saw on Twitter all day was that the Dodgers have the highest payroll. And guess what? They're going to have a lot of money that drops off. And I get it. There's people they're going to have to pay. They're right. going to have to pay Urias and all that stuff. But they're going to have money to spend. So if Turner decides he wants to go somewhere else, I, I, I mean, the Dodgers can throw money at a problem that they have. Right. No, and that's the luxury the Dodgers have. I, I mean, a part of me thinks they're going to extend him just because Trey is openly talked about and is willing to have conversations in season. So I, I feel like that's enough for me to be like, okay, he wants to be here. Um, so, so I'm just curious to see how it pans out, man, because he's going to get $300 million and, and he's worth it. I would be more comfortable giving him 300 than Corey. Mm-hmm. And I know that may sound asinine, but in my opinion, Trey Turner is a more balanced shortstop. What say you to that? No, I, I agree. Uh, I, again, my, my thing is, is I really want to see how this year plays out. And by the way, I mean, we're, we're talking about 300 million and we're talking about him getting paid. He just in arbitration, just got a 20 minute, uh, his salary is now $21 million. Yeah. So it's not like Trey Turner's not making any money right now. I mean, no. he, he got himself a nice little deal there. So I, I think if he has a good season this year, I, I mean, I, it's, it's really hard for me to say that the Dodgers shouldn't lock that guy up because to me, he's a good defensive shortstop. He's got speed. Yeah. Speed eventually will diminish, but the guy hits for average. And for me, I'd love to see a guy hit for average. Well, and, and let's not forget a young Trey Turner is, uh, is, is worthy of a deal like that because he's, he's only 28 right now. He's going to be 29. So, you know, if you give that dude, if you gave Freddie Freeman a six year deal, give Trey, give Trey a six, seven year deal. And also you have other prospects to fit him in. Cause if he continues his, what I'm getting at is his skills aside from the speed will age well with the Dodgers. Because yeah. you have the DH situation now. Obviously, you know he can play other positions if you got to get him out of that hard corner. So it's, I, I feel like it's going to work out itself out, obviously, and it has to because, you know, this is after this year, he's, he's a free agent. But curious to see how it goes. But on that note, we will wrap this episode of the, uh, the Bleed Los podcast up. We are still not going to give any points to Roger. So if you want to lobby on his behalf, you know where the Twitters are, shoot us a message. Thank you always for uh, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you down the road. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.